A year ago, I was saying that by next year, Advent, we would not be wearing masks at church. And I don't know what it is like where you live, but where I am, the restrictions for masks have gotten a little tighter. And our pastor said that he thinks this is going to be for a while now. And now there are more travel restrictions. I think we're all getting tired of this pandemic. Advent is a time of waiting for the Messiah to come, but this year we're also waiting for the pandemic to end. And many of us are getting restless. We're growing impatient. And when we become impatient, we are more likely to be rude and unkind. We are more likely to be inconsiderate of others. But that is why the church gives us the season of Advent, to help us practice patience. Because patience makes us pay more attention to the other and not so much to what I want right now. It makes me think of Mary who, Scripture tells us, kept all these things in her heart. I think that means that she was not impulsive or entitled. She was patient. She pondered. She reflected. She waited. Let's take the opportunity that we have during Advent to practice patience and kindness. And that really only counts when it's difficult, when we are tired and restless. That's when practicing patience and kindness really matters. This Advent season, let's keep all these things in our heart. And like Mary, practice extra patience and extra kindness as we wait for the end of the pandemic and for the coming of Christ at Christmas. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and sitting with me is uh, Mr. Mark Matthews. Hello. Good to be on the show. Yeah, Mark Matthews, not from Hollywood, but from... Uh, Ottawa right now. I'm You're on a road trip. I made a I, pilgrimage to St. Joseph's Oratory in Montreal. You, you should just have a segment where you're just talking about your trips and your road trips. And I, that's all you do. I don't think a lot. When was the last time you were in Hollywood that we spoke? <laughs> hey, come on. I'm legit. I'm actually in Hollywood. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> working from home. I've been a little itchy to get out of the house. That's true. So I've been staying at friends' homes and things like that. So, no, and it's nice. It's nice that you're you're showing your true canadian you need to come back to canada so you're in only canada. for the winter i just want Ottawa. the winter so absolutely um so how are things i guess with in travel the- i mean i know with the restrictions and travel i know people are i was just saying that people are getting all sort of frustrated and yeah. setbacks and stuff that travel didn't affect you crossing the border um, I, guess. I mean i had to have a negative covid test you know in addition to proof of vaccination so but yeah with those things yeah then then i'm able to get across the border without having to quarantine to isolate so, yeah yeah right. to isolate so it's kind of nice to at least have that freedom to come back because i had to isolate for two weeks the first time i that's I right so. a year yeah. that was a year ago or so yeah yeah and then the day yeah. i got out of isolation there was like a once in 10 year blizzard so yes Canada, i remember yeah. i remember yeah Anyway, um, today, Mark, we're, we're uh, Ben Ben Boivin is coming back with his uh, segment, A Taste for the Common Good. And okay. guess what he's talking about? He's talking about something called the Eucharistic Coherence Controversy that you must know all about because you're in the U.S. I actually haven't heard of this. How embarrassing. Well, no, I think you have heard of it. You just don't oh, know really? what it's called, Eucharistic Coherence. Okay. Um, get, allowing politics pro pro choice oh, politicians yes and it's oh, not specifically yes. about pro choice politicians and community but it has to do with 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 how do you what does it mean to live a, a life that is coherent with yeah maybe, maybe maybe consistent consistent yeah yeah so but coherence is the word um so he's going to talk about that um so that's in about five minutes so i'm sure that especially our 
listeners in the United States, they'd be interested in knowing a little bit about the, the so the bishops, the U.S. bishops put out a document. Yeah. Finally, on Eucharistic topic. coherence. Um, uh, so that's in about five minutes with Ben Boivin. And then Mark, you're up with something Excellent. that's good in Hollywood or in tech or somewhere. I don't know. Somewhere. Something some, yeah, somewhere. Something, something's watching you is my, my lead into it. Somebody is watching you. Somebody okay. is watching you. Or at least we should behave as though somebody is watching us. Okay. Okay. That's good. Uh, good tech advice, I think. So that's coming up in about 15 minutes. And then, okay, so here's a question. So you know how, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because of the pandemic, but everybody's talking about the mental health crisis and that there's mm-hmm. a mental health mm-hmm. crisis. And Yes. Um, have you ever heard of an association called the, the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers? I have not. Yeah, well, most people haven't. Um, And I think that some people would wonder, well, why do we need an association of Catholic mental health ministers? Mm -hmm. Um, Like what's different? And uh, so uh, last month, November, the Pope's prayer intention had to do with, it was for people who are going through depression and burnout. Okay, yep. Um, And that video was actually put together with the advice of these association of Catholic mental health ministers. Mm. So the fact that the Pope is highlighting the fact that mental health is real, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to have like a psychotic breakdown to be yeah. suffering from mental yeah. health. Um, I, I think that's great. Cause I think, especially as Catholics, sometimes we have a tendency to over spiritualize yeah, things, you know, yes. it's like, Oh, if I take antidepressants, that's cheating. It's kind of like, no, yes. the brain is an more. organ. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just pray it away. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. no, the brain is an organ and it can have diseases just like any other yeah, organ exactly. in our body. So. so the president of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers is a deacon, Deacon Ed Sch- uh, Schoner. And so we're okay. going to be speaking with Deacon Ed in about 25 minutes in our second half hour. And he's going to be telling us, probably we're going to talk exactly about, about what you just said about mm-hmm. why why we need Catholic health ministers. And I think that he also, uh, they're advocating for every parish to have a mental health ministry in the parish, just mm-hmm. like you have RCIA or you have okay. uh, you yeah. know social justice mini- uh, 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 ministry, something yeah. like that. So that's in about 25 minutes. Um, and uh, okay, so have you ever heard of the land? I know you're going to say no, but the land of baptized- oh, no, I've heard of it. I've, re- <laughs> I've heard of everything. Don't even ask me if I know, because I know everything. The so. land of baptized imagination. Oh my goodness. No, I have not heard of that. So if you haven't heard of that, it's because you haven't heard of the wonderful world of Benjamin Cello. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hooked already. Baptized imagination. Okay. So the, wonderful, the wonderful world of Benjamin Cello is a new uh, children's TV show. It's full of songs, lessons of faith, scripture stories, and it's created by the members of the Wolliver family. Um, okay. uh, and maybe you've heard of the Annie Moses band. <laughs> you probably haven't because no. I had not heard of the Annie Moses band and I'm kind of ashamed to say, because they sound like a great, a great group. It's the whole family, um, the Wolliver family, the, the siblings, seven siblings, they're all part of this band, the Annie Moses uh-huh. band. And then now they've created this TV show. Wow. Called the wonderful world of Benjamin cello. And, uh, it's a great story. I mean, the whole the whole family is a great story. But yeah. today we're going to be speaking specifically with Benjamin okay. Cello. Benjamin Cello, I, who's actually... I, I've heard some amazing stories of Catholic families like having music ministry. So I, yes. I, and usually they're fan, they put out fantastic songs I know. in media. So there so. is. There is. So look up Annie Moses Band um, and then stay tuned to listen to all about Benjamin Cello. We're going to be speaking with Benjamin Wooliver, who plays Benjamin Cello in the show 
um, the wonderful world of, uh, I love the title, the wonderful <laughs> world of Benjamin cello. And of course we're going to get to listen to some of their songs. So that's Fantastic. all at the end of the show in about 45 minutes. And again, if you're not going to be around, remember Mark, you're going to be around, but I'm if gonna be around. listeners I'm can't be around, um, there, <laughs> um, you can always uh, go to our website, smedia.org and listen to all our shows there. You can also subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Mark. So we're going to start with the song. Um, Imagine Mary, actually, you don't need to imagine it because the song is going to make you think of Mary Poppins. But mm. here is Pocket Full of Seeds from the children's TV show, The Wonderful World of Benjamin Cello. The job of every sower is to plow and sow, prepare the soil and plant the seeds. In every heart that shuddered, a loving hand must scatter. The seeds that glow with heavenly hope The prayers that plant a faith that grows I'm filling up my pocket full, my pocket full of seeds I'll plant the love of God down deep In every heart I meet Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold indeed I'm just a humble sower So get up every morning with a single mind To plant good news in every life Plow up the fallow soil, the love is worth the toil So don't lose heart, my faithful friend The harvest bounty will not end I'm filling up my pocket full, my pocket full of seeds I'll plant the love of God down deep in every heart I beat Thirtyfold Sixtyfold A hundredfold indeed I'm just a humble sower With a pocket full A pocket full of seeds I'm filling up my pocket full My pocket full of seeds I'll plant the love of God down deep In every heart I meet Thirtyfold Sixtyfold A hundredfold indeed a humble sower with a pocket full, a pocket full of seeds, a pocket full. That was Pocket Full of Seeds from the children's TV show, The Wonderful World of Benjamin Cello. And we're going to be speaking with Benjamin Cello himself in about 45 minutes. So I hope that you'll still be around for that. If not, be sure to visit us at slmedia.org slash podcast, where you can listen to all our programs. And now it's time for A Taste for the Common Good with Ben Boivin. Ben... Welcome back. Um, you have a heavy topic today. This is a topic that I think is going to be uh, interesting to a lot of our listeners. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me on again. So yeah, we're going to be talking about Eucharistic coherence and, and what that all means in the American church. Okay, so the Eucharistic coherence, but you called it a controversy. So, so what is the Eucharistic coherence controversy? So the Eucharistic coherence controversy relates to the fact that we in the United States, have a president, a Catholic president, only the second Catholic president actually in the history of the country, mm -hmm. who, as we know, is a leader of the Democratic Party and as such fights for abortion rights, which obviously contradicts the doctrine of the church 
on this specific topic. So many Catholics in the United States consider that this is cause for controversy because a politician that is Catholic and publicly Catholic fights for an, an issue which the church has been on the other side of this of this issue for quite yeah. a while. So this this is cause for controversy and and some believe that you know this this calls for intervention from the bishops and some other believe that actually if the bishop were to intervene this would be this would be the political politicization of the Eucharist, which would be pretty bad. Okay, so I was going to ask you about that. So it's it's a Eucharistic it's a controversy about the Eucharist because it has to do with allowing, I guess, that politician to receive communion. Yeah, yeah. Some people believe that Biden, as he fights for abortion, should not be allowed to receive communion in in parishes in the United States. So okay, but this is this issue did not begin with Joe Biden, right? No, it did not. Actually, the whole conversation within the United States, within the USCCB, among the bishops about the Eucharist, predates this old controversy. And the, the, the reason why they wanted to talk about that and have conversations and produce documents is because many, many American Catholics and many Catholics across the Western world actually don't have a very good understanding of what is the Eucharist, what we believe as a church about yeah. the Eucharist, and what this implies for, for us in a moral, uh, in a moral sense. You know, right. what, what it means that we, how is it that we can live in a way that is coherent with the fact that we partake in the Eucharist and that we form a Eucharistic communion? Okay. So to, so to live, I like that, to live in a way that is coherent with what it means to, to be in communion with the church or and receive communion. Um, so, so the bishops have put out a document. It's called the mystery of the Eucharist in the life of the church. Did, did, did this document come out as a result of a Joe Biden issue or have they been working on this document from even before? Well, there has been conversation about producing a new document on the Eucharist and, and you know, document on the Eucharist aren't new in themselves. We've no. been having many of them throughout history. And there has been conversation about that for a while, but the vote to draft actually to draft this document and vote on it this, this fall it was taken in the spring and it was surrounded by the controversy around Joe Biden. But actually, the bishops weren't that interested in discussing Biden and abortion specifically. What they really wanted to do is, you know, put out information about the Eucharist so that people will, will better understand what it means. And in fact, the document in its final stage, as it was voted on, does not even mention Joe yeah. Biden by name or even abortion at all. I, but I, it, I was, it was, you yeah. know, clouded politically, maybe, yes. by, maybe by writers, journalists, and some Catholic commentators. It was clouded with, with the controversy that surrounds Joe Biden. So there's a bit of a mix up between those two issues. It's a very interesting. I mean, I remember having this conversation uh, a long time. We were working on a documentary on Pius XII and the whole issue about why didn't he excommunicate Hitler, who, as we know, was also a Catholic. I'm sure he wasn't practicing. But the whole question yeah, of, sure. ex, of excommunication and I don't know, does the document talk a little bit about what excommunication means and when that can be used or should be used? Well, the excommunication is a whole different thing, actually. Yeah. We, we could, you know, and throughout history, bishops have excommunicated uh, political leaders in, in cert certain circumstances, some of them which were pretty, you know, clear and understandable, and some mm -hmm. others which were clearly political. In, yes. this, in this case, the question is more, should bishops allow priests to give communion to Joe Biden in their specific uh, diocese, because as we know, the USCCB has been discussing this, this topic and this issue. But in fact, the, the authority to, to decide belongs to bishops. Belongs to and, each and bishop. Priest. 
But there have been bishops in the past who've said that they will refuse communion to Joe Biden if he came to their diocese. That has yes, happened. Actually, yeah, it, it has happened. And some priests in, in, in some churches have not have decided not to give communion to Joe Biden. And some others have decided to do so. So clearly, some people believe that we should have in the United States, uh, you know, a coherent uh, policy towards this question. But actually, that's not the way the church works. Bishops have the authority to decide on the basis of what canon law says. And canon law actually has, has provisions to, to address these kinds of issues. So in uh, so, so many questions, Ben, um, is it possible for a politician uh, or someone who in the public sphere to be openly opposing certain Catholic doctrine and still be a practicing Catholic? Well, uh, particularly on the issue of abortion and, and things that relate to life, uh, you know, it is possible for a politician to elect not to fight uh, for pro-life results mm-hmm. for prudential reasons. Uh, and uh, be a faithful Catholic. That that was expressed yes. quite clearly a couple of years ago by the bishops in the United States and as well in a memorandum from Rome. It is also possible for Catholics uh, Catholics who vote for, for uh, some political actor who actually is in favor of abortion in certain prudential, for certain prudential reasons as well. But one should as not long as be... the reason they're vote sorry as long as the reason they're voting for them is not because they oppose abortion. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's yes. exactly right. Yeah. And 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 with a spirit of proportions, it should not be considered an issue of minor importance. Yes. But I thought you were going to say something else. But but is it so? Is it possible for someone? I guess my real question is, for for those of us that are not politicians, and maybe not in the public sphere, what does it mean to be? What does Eucharistic coherence mean to me? And maybe that's what the document, I think, is more about, right? Yeah, well, what coherence, what Eucharistic coherence means to you is that, as we all know, as we are part of the church, we have to live in a way that is reflective of the teaching of the church on moral and, and faith issues. So you have, to be, uh, you have to believe what the church teaches, and you have to strive to live in a way that is coherent with the, the teaching on the, of the church on moral issues. And when you fail, because we all do, and we are bound to fail, yes. well, you go to confession and, and you express uh, repent and you go back to the Eucharist. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. Okay. I, I think we're going to leave it there because I have so many more questions. Maybe we can come back and continue this conversation. I'm really curious to know what our listeners have to say, and maybe I'll just tell them to 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 contact Ben directly. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, so you can contact Ben directly. You can reach him on Twitter at Benjamin Boivin, B-O-I-V-I-N. Um, so, and if people want to find out about the document, they can read the document. Just search for the mystery of the Eucharist in the life of the church, or just search USCCB document on the Eucharist. It just came out November, November 18th. Yeah, it's a very interesting document. Obviously, it restates things that you know, we should know when that have been stated in more authoritative document from Rome in, in the past recent years. But it's it's good in the sense that it provides a, a short and concise, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, it brings back teachings that we should know in a short and, and uh, simple way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, my takeaway is that I don't think the Eucharist or any sacrament should be used as a tool to coerce or blackmail people or as, a, you know, to keep people hostage. So maybe that's also part of the conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and actually, the, the document was accepted by a vast, vast majority of bishops. Yeah, a vast, vast okay. majority. All right, good. Thank you, Ben. Eucharistic coherence. 
Thank you for explaining that to us. Um, if you want to find out more, there's also a great blog post that Ben wrote at eselmedia.org. Uh, just look for Eucharistic Coherence on our blog there, and uh, you can get more, more information about all of this. Thank you, Ben. Um, it was a pleasure. Yes, happy Advent season to you and your family. Thanks, and, and the same to you and the, and the listeners as well. Thank you. Ben Boivin is an associate producer here at Essel Media and our resident political junkie. You can follow him at Benjamin Boivin. Coming up is What's Good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Danielle Savard, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can email me pedro at eselmedia.org you can also find me on facebook twitter or instagram and now it's time for what's good in hollywood with our hollywood undercover missionary mark matthews who's uh not in hollywood yeah it's true i'm on a i'm on a road pilgrimage right now i'm actually in ottawa so in ottawa and but it doesn't matter where you are because somebody's always watching you. Is that what you want to talk about? That's right. I want to talk about somebody watching us. So, um, so, so as we know, Advent is, as my parish priest put it, is a sort of a mini Lent. Yes. And so it's, this is a a bit of a suggestion for some, a bit of asceticism. And my challenge to our listeners today is to browse the internet as though the Blessed Mother is watching you. Okay, good. I, I thought you were going to say to not browse the internet. No, 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 no. We as Catholics, we, we embrace using <laughs> good things, but with, with moderation. Okay. And, and actually, it's kind of a powerful concept, you know, to think like, oh, would I be watching this if my mom or my wife or some other loved one, you know, was in the room also looking at this? And, and we kind of have a tendency sometimes to let our eye linger on things that might be evil and, and might mm-hmm. affect our soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, in Matthew 6.22, it says, your mobile screen is the lamp of the body. So if your mobile screen is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Okay, so I think you're paraphrasing, Mark. That's not what my translation says. Really? That's not what your translation says? <laughs> your mobile screen. So, do it, read it again. Yeah, I love it. It, it. The real translation says, your eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Okay, so, I get yeah. it. I get it. So, it, it and yeah, so th- this isn't honestly a new idea. I've heard you know a lot of other people say this. But what I want to add today, my techie perspective is that you know, not only is say the blessed mother watching you, but the algorithm is watching you too. Okay. Re- the recommendation algorithms. So recommendation algorithms don't actually just respond to things that we click like on, mm. but they also spend respond to how much time we spend watching a video or simply even reading a posting. Right, right. So the more we watch something, it's actually promoting that, just the fact that you're actually spending time reading something or watching something. Exactly. And not just clicking the like button. And so tech companies kind of like regard this a lot of time as like their secret sauce. How do they actually find out if you really are truly interested in something, you know, how long do we rewatch a part of a video or did we rewatch, you know, a particular, um, you know, post or something like that. And, and, And yeah, the truth is, is we're, we're oftentimes we're tempted to linger on something that's sinful. And I mean, you know, sure, it could be lustful. We could be tend, you know, tend to linger on yeah. that. But even if it's just like, 
you know, inflammatory and it makes us angry, you know, we're, we're, we're naturally sort of drawn to these things. So, and, and so I guess my, my suggestion, my, my point today is that, is that if we don't linger on these things, if we behave like a virtuous person in all of our actions, especially in how we take in media in private, not only will we be helping our own soul, but we will help be helping form the souls of others because hmm. the algorithms will see, oh, Pedro's not really interested in that article or Mark's not really interested in that. Uh, and the algorithm will change its recommendations because of that. Interesting. Interesting. So the people that think, and I know you know this because you, I don't know if you actually are the people writing algorithms for some company, um, but the people who say that it's like this conspiracy, the company mm. is, is pushing these things. You're saying that that's really not how it works, that the fact that we're looking at things and I'd, I'd say even sharing things. Yes. Means that those are the things that are going to get promoted because the algorithm is just looking for who's looking, how many people are looking at this and how much time are they spending looking at a particular a thing? Absolutely. That's like, it's like recommendation algorithms 101 is they base it on what everyone else is doing. So that's, that's, that's where their primary data source comes from. So if from. we don't want to promote something, we shouldn't even click on it and open it and read it. Correct. Don't even watch it. Don't even watch yeah, it. Yeah, don't even watch that's it. Don't even click advice. on the headline. And, 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 and yeah, and I, I think what's kind of beautiful about that is it's all, like that's also a great attitude to kind of foster you know, is, yep. is that behavior of like, yeah, I'm not, I don't even let my eye look at evil things. Uh, what does, yeah, the Psalm 119, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Yeah, that's it. It's custody of the eyes. Yeah. 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 It's really, it's really interesting. Data is very powerful. Um, I was talking to someone who uh, used to work for a credit card company and he said that they could reliably predict divorces <gasps> six months before they happen just by looking at spending patterns. Oh my gosh. Is wow. that crazy? That is fascinating. Yeah. And he said, yeah, there are ways to like, look at the data and figure out kind of like what, you know, what, where people were kind of headed. And data says a lot about who interesting, we are. Interesting. And, in, and sorry. And I was sorry, but in this case, you're saying there aren't real people actually looking at the data necessarily. It's, correct. It's, it's no. all happening automatically. Automatically. Because it can. Yes. It's a dumb algorithm, so to speak, that says, I'm just going to keep recommending what other people are watching. And so, and, and how they kind of like determine that, like, is the like button? Is it how much time they watch something? You know, that that's where, you know, the algorithm sort of comes into it. But it's just looking at like what media are people consuming and finding interest. In. Okay, so this what is what we're going to do. Everybody, everybody listening right now is going to make sure that they subscribe to the salt light hour, make sure that they <laughs> yes. download all the episodes and listen to them, you know, like, and listen times, to the segment and play it over and, and over and over, and over, and over again. again and share it with all your friends and then see if the algorithm picks up on that. And then yes. the show gets promoted. Yes. A a amen. Exactly. So what you want to do. That's how it works. All right. This is, you know what? Good advice, good, good uh, education for people to understand how the algorithms work. Yep. Um, and I love the fact that you said it's a dumb algorithm because um, it's not a complicated, <laughs> it's not like artificial intelligence, you know, yeah. like it's no. just very basic. Yeah. And, uh, but it's also a good practice for Advent. And as we move out of Advent to yeah, practice exactly. custody of the eyes, why are you looking at that if it's not making you better? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, algorithms are getting more advanced all the time, but at its core, this is the base 
level for how they behave. So great. There you go. What's good in tech? What's tech good in Hollywood? Today. What's good in Ottawa? Hollywood. What's good in everywhere? Good in media. What's good in media with Mark Matthews? Thank you, Mark. Have a blessed Advent season, and we'll see you for the Christmas episode. Yes, I will be here. So you too. Have a blessed Advent and end of the year of St. Joseph, which ends on December 8th. Yes, that's true. So what's good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. You can follow him at HU Missionary. Coming up in our second half hour, Catholic Mental Health Ministry, and we meet Benjamin Cello of the wonderful world of Benjamin Cello. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Last month, Pope Francis announced that his prayer intention for November was for people who suffer from depression or burned out, that they will find support and a light that opens them up to life. According to a press release that accompanied the Pope's prayer intention video, about 1 in 10 people worldwide live with a mental health disorder, which is about 792 million people. The video was made in consultation with the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers, which, among other things, works to add mental health ministry to parishes and dioceses across the United States and to break the stigma surrounding mental illness. To tell us more, I am now joined by Deacon Ed Schoner, President of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. Deacon Ed, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to see you. Good to meet you, Deacon Pedro. So... Why do we need an association of Catholic mental health ministers? Because I think the Holy Spirit is moving within the church to open up the doors of the church to people that live with mental health challenges, mental illnesses. There's a longing and a desire for people who live with these illnesses and challenges and their families to be drawn closer to Christ. Uh, for far too long, uh, they felt excluded. Mm -hmm. Not simply by the church, but also by the broader society. And that needs to change. And I think the spirit's moving to change that within our church. I, uh, I think that a lot of us um, have, have come in, in contact with mental health illness or mental health issues. Maybe we don't recognize it. Um, is it. Is it that prevalent? How, how common is depression or mental health issues? Uh... Well, the statistics here in North America are that about 20% of us at any one time wow. live with some kind of mental health condition, ranging from a serious mental illness like schizophrenia uh, to, to mild to moderate levels of depression, which I live with. Yeah. Um, and over the course of a lifetime, 50% of us will experience some sort of mental health condition. So if we don't have it ourselves, we're close to someone that does. Yeah, exactly. And the other serious statistic is, is that uh, suicide is uh, the 10th leading cause of death. Uh, well, prior to coronavirus, but the 10th mm -hmm. leading cause of death. And if today's a typical day in the U.S., at least about 130 people will die from suicide today. So it's a uh, it, it's every place. It's widespread. And the stigma and outright discrimination that people have had to live with uh, uh, is unfortunate and sad. And I 
like I said, I think the spirit's moving to to sort of push all that to the side right. and welcome them into the church and support people. How much of the problem do you think is, and maybe we ourselves will do, we'll, we'll do it to ourselves. Oh, I, you know, I can tough it out, or it's not really mental health illness. Uh, I'm just going through a slump. How much of how much of that is the problem? A lot. I mean, that's called self-stigmatization. And yeah. uh, we stigmatize ourselves because we don't want to admit that we have this illness. We, For too long, we didn't view these conditions as real illnesses. That And, and those of us that are Catholic in particular can over-spiritualize it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about pray, that. Yes. And think we can pray our way out of it or something like that, or that we're a bad Catholic if we're anxious or depressed. And that's just simply not the case. These mental health uh, therapies and treatments are gifts from God just like any other medical practice is, and we should um, uh, make our, avail ourselves of them, take advantage of them, get the care we need. And, uh, and those of us, uh, Deacon Pedro, that are in clergy, you know, priests and deacons and bishops, yeah. should not be afraid to talk about this yeah. condition. Yes. We experience it ourselves so we can normalize it and send the message to our congregations and our parishes that it's okay to deal with this and the church is a place that you can go to find yeah. consolation and support it's it's too bad we we, we have a limited time to talk because i have so many questions but i was going to ask you about so even though we might try to uh talk ourselves out of it by saying oh i can pray you know i can i, I can pray myself out of it let's say at the same time and I've heard other people say this, and I, I maybe have said it myself, that even though th we could say that there's a mental health crisis, that the real crisis is a spiritual crisis, would you think that there is something there? I mean, we, we need to take care of the illness as an illness, but at the same time, uh, it, spirituality plays a part. Is that not correct? Well, you're right, Deacon and Pedro. We're we're mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. So you can't separate them all. They're all interwoven. And I think for too long, uh, we have not recognized the the mind party of it. Those of us that are focused right. on spirituality, and unfortunately, with with mental health care, sometimes the spiritual part of our lives get push to the side. Right. So you go to see good therapy and good counselors and they can only do so much. But these existential questions of where is God in the middle of this? How come I have schizophrenia? What happened to my child? How come they attempted suicide or in the psychiatric hospital? Mm -hmm. Those are deep spiritual questions that long for the presence of God. And that's what this ministry does. It opens it up and tells people, come on into the church. We're going to talk about this. We're going to invite Christ into the middle of these crises, right. and we're going to accompany you. That's the main word is, is that in this ministry, we can accompany people when they face these challenges. Because uh, for, like I said, for far too long, the church was not the place to go to right. get the type of accompaniment that people really want. Yeah, which is why I think it is that we need at an association that is Catholic, yes. you, because you think that as Catholics, we can address the issues in a way that it maybe is more holistic. The and, sacraments are beautiful. The grace yeah. that we receive through the sacraments, th especially through the anointing of the sick yeah. and reconciliation is an important part of the spiritual healing when you're dealing with these uh, challenges. The uh, We can look to the saints. I just wrote a piece mm -hmm. for Vatican News as part yeah. of the Pope's prayer intention for November about how many saints have uh, lived with mental health challenges and they lead deep yeah. holy lives that can inspire us uh, despite these uh, challenges that they have lived with. And even in our own personal lives, 
we are, maybe we're not comfortable talking about it, but many of us have experienced mental illnesses ourselves. We may perhaps grieving the, the loss of a loved one or close to us that have died by suicide. Mm -hmm. And in all of these experiences, God is present. And we need to be able to open up to each other and support each other. Because people that live with these illnesses and the experiences have much to offer the church. They have deep experience of empathy and suffering and humility and all of these virtues are things that they can bring to the church. So it's not just us serving the people that live with mental health challenges, it's the people with the mental health challenges bringing their gifts and virtues and strengths into the church and building up the whole body of the church. So it's right. It's, it's evangelization that goes both ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what exactly is the association? So the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers, is it a place where people can go and find resources? How does that work? Yeah. Yes, the association is uh, is a network of those of us that are involved with mental health ministry. So if you want to start a ministry in your parish or your diocese, you can okay, go to our site, CatholicMHM.org, and we provide resources, prayer support. Uh, we will provide grants and financial support if that's an issue to get this off the ground. Mm. Uh, and it's a network where those of us in this ministry can support each other and build this ministry up. We have online training courses that you can take, uh, books, a, a wide variety of resources. So would you would you would you advise them that every parish should have a mental health ministry or something uh, like that? Our hope is is that mental health ministry becomes as common in every parish as grief support is, as, prison support, yeah. CCD. It just becomes a common, ordinary, everyday ministry that uh, the Catholic Church is known for. That, yeah. that, that our church becomes known as a place that can help people in these situations, console people and welcome. Because, you know, the old Pogo saying, they is us. I mean, yeah, it yeah, affects yeah. all yeah, of exactly. us. You know, exactly. it, it, it becomes a place for compassion and support when yeah. these challenges occur. Um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, for priests, deacons, pastors, I mean, churches in general, it's important for us to, to, to have this information, this knowledge that we're comfortable talking about it. How would you suggest that let's say as a deacon i can include this in a homily let's say is it as simple as including the groupings like some of us are struggling with mental health issues etc cetera, etc cetera, or like how would you i'm working into can... homilies you yeah. know regularly so particular you know of course when there's certain days or themes like in the u.s there's a suicide uh, awareness month in september okay. so i'll usually work it in around those times but also you know when there's scripture readings about lepers about leprosy i think that's okay. a perfect example of uh how sadly people with mental illnesses are treated today if you remember hmm. people used to think someone with leprosy got leprosy because of a sinful life or their parents did something wrong or it was a moral failing or a character fault that they got leprosy yeah, we of yeah. course no that's not the case it's an yeah. illness but you know sadly for all too long people have thought when they get a mental illness it's because their parents raised them wrong right. or there's a moral or character fault yeah failing uh so i work it in when when christ is yeah uh, okay healing people with these type of uh, challenges to look to give us a perspective that uh, you know these type of this type of discrimination and stigma has been around for a long time and all sorts of illnesses um, and sadly uh, for mental illness too but I think we can do better and I think slowly the spirits moving to encourage the church to do better and the, and the statements by the Pope Pope Francis over the last few months have been absolutely yes wonderful and so encouraging yeah um, I think that a lot of priests struggle with mental health uh, illness or issues especially if they're in a parish by themselves or yes. um 
and so is it your hope or does the association also uh, provide dioceses with resources so that they can support their priests? Yes, yeah, so they can support their priests. Uh, yes, or their clergy. Provide, yeah, yeah and, and the other clergy. Uh, you know, there's, bishops are not immune no. to mental yeah, health challenges. No. Even Pope Francis talks about how he got psychoanalytical help in the 70s when he was facing challenges in Argentina. Mm-hmm. So none of us are immune, immune to this. And uh, it's it's something like you, like we were talking earlier. You don't want to separate your spiritual life from your mental no. health life. They both yeah. need to be integrated and uh, there's there because Christ is there in the midst of this and continues to want to be present to us as we uh, struggle with depression, anxiety, and maybe even more serious uh, mental yeah. health conditions. Deacon, um, thank you. This is an important conversation. So it's good to, I hate to say that it's good that we have an excuse to talk about it, but thank you to Pope Francis for bringing it up so that we have this excuse and hopefully we can have, uh, continue the conversation in the, in the months, years to come. Uh, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you, Deacon Pedro, for having this conversation. Deacon Ed Schoner is the president of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. You can learn more about them and access their resources at catholicmhm.org. If you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to the rest of the show, just head on over to slmedia.org podcast. Here now is Every Park Needs a Lark from the wonderful world of Benjamin Cello. needs a bright red string every park needs a lark that sings That was Every Park Needs a Lark from the wonderful world of Benjamin Cello. Now, have you ever heard of the land of the baptized imagination? Well, if you haven't, then you haven't been to the wonderful world of Benjamin Cello, which is a new, fun, and playful show designed to introduce children to beauty and wonder. The show is full of songs, lessons of faith, scripture, there's puppets and stories with a memorable cast of characters. Imagine 
Mr. Rogers meets Mary Poppins, but with a biblical focus. The show is created by the Williver family or members of the Williver family, best known for their musical group, the Annie Moses Band. There's so much to talk about. Um, so I'm very excited to be joined now by Benjamin Cello himself, Mr. Benjamin Williver. Benjamin, <laughs> welcome to the Sultanite Hour. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's so fun. Um, I, tell me quickly, before we talk about the show, I'm curious to know, tell me about growing up. There's seven of you, seven children, family band. Tell What was that like? Yeah. Well, all of my siblings, we began studying classical stringed instruments from an early age. So I started cello at the age of four. Yeah. Um, I'm third in the lineup. Um, and all of us pursued music uh, kind of the way some people pursue Olympic athleticism. We yep. uh, uh, sought out the best conservatories, and uh, three of us ended up at the Juilliard School where we studied there for three years. Wonderful. Then we started the Annie Moses Band because we wanted to have more fun and be more original in, in our musical <laughs> creativity. Yeah. And gosh, that was over 20 years ago, and we've wow. toured all over the world and performed at Carnegie and the Grand Ole Opry House and just, just had a ton of fun performing as a family. So music is definitely a love language, right? You've heard of the five yes, love languages. This is one of our love languages Absolutely. is music. So we love to create, and that uh, really informed Benjamin Cello, which is also yeah. a, a family affair. So Yeah, very much. Now, so Annie Moses was your great-grandmother? That's right. She was our great-grandmother. She was a sharecropper in the Great Depression, um, very poor, but she invested her meager means into the musical education of our grandmother, Jane, who had a beautiful singing voice, and Jane yes. invested in our mother, Robin, who in turn invested in us along with our guys. father, Bill. So, Wonderful. Now, obviously, the show has a biblical worldview. It's a Christian show. Tell, tell, me, tell us a little bit about growing up. Big family, I'm assuming, church on Sundays. Yeah, so we were a very devout family growing up. We prayed together. Um, we would read scripture every morning. Um, and uh, it was prayer was a, an important part of our life. Um, you know, and I, I really look to my parents uh, as being great role, role models for nurturing us in the faith. And that's been something that's been important to us, you know, even as the Annie Moses Band. Um, we've wanted to spread the gospel, you know, be people of faith, be people who are marked by the name of Jesus, uh, be marked by um, really, you know, the teachings of the church. And, and that's what brought us into the church um, in 2013. We all came into the Catholic so the church whole, in that the year. Whole, the whole yeah. family, everybody. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so right yeah, so that was a big shift for us, but um, one definitely God breathed and, um, yeah, so so faith is an important part of what we do. And in Benjamin Cello, it's really our flagship effort to communicate the truths of the faith to young children because we just see um, kind of what a, a headwind um, the yeah. church and people of faith have in our culture. Yeah. And we see children as being the fertile seedbed to yeah. uh, nurture the faith, you know, to keep the flame alive and to, uh, yeah, shape and form them with scripture yeah. and with God's truth. So what, what was that conversation? I imagine you guys around the dinner table, some of you have young children and you're thinking about like, let's do a show. Like how did the idea of Benjamin Cello come about? 
Right. So uh, our mother, Robin, who's very visionary, uh, had yep. this idea for the wonderful world of Benjamin Cello, you know, a Mr. Rogers meets Mary Poppins yep. hybrid, but with a biblical focus, like you said. And yep. um, and so we just uh, rolled up our sleeves and got to work. Um, we had a studio space and built uh, two of the sets and filmed a pilot, the very first episode. And we shopped that to a couple of major streaming platforms because we were looking for funders, um, but just met with closed doors. You know, one uh, platform said they didn't want mentor figures. They wanted children to find, you know, their truth. <laughs> wow. And another platform didn't want God to be spoken. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that was just against the vision we had for the show. So we essentially uh, sold a couple of houses, self-funded the first season by buying a warehouse south of nashville wow. renovating it and filmed six episodes and have just been blown away by the response uh you know i think you're used to nice reviews but some of the reviews we get uh, parents are you know saying that they feel the holy spirit when they watch the show they watch the show with their kids there's such a hunger um, yeah yeah and and i think something we wanted to do from the beginning is we wanted to offer things of quality yep to the people of god you know i think for a long time, there's been this idea that something that's Christian or that's Catholic is inferior mm -hmm. in quality. Mm -hmm. And uh, as the Annie Moses Band, you know, we've we played in theaters, we played all over the world. And when we started putting this together, we said, you know what, we're not going to create something that's cheap, that's garish, that's yep. you know empty. So much of children's entertainment is that way. We're going to have real instruments. We're going to have real puppets. We're going to have real people. We're yeah. going to write in song and dance, musical theater numbers, and we're yeah. going to have it all come together and be explicitly Christian, be explicitly yeah. worshipful and, of our creator. And uh, that's what we did. So. You And you have done that. It, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, our listeners obviously can't watch, but I know that as soon as they're done listening, they're going to go to the website and, and watch if they haven't already been watching the show because it is, is spectacular. Just the music production itself is a whole other level. Um, what is the land? What is the land of baptized imagination? Yeah, so that's a phrase that we got from C.S. Lewis, who is one of our favorite uh -huh. authors, and um, and it was uh, he had an experience during his conversion where he talked about his imagination being baptized by a writer named George MacDonald, who was a fantasy writer in the Victorian era, and we just were captivated by that by that. Uh, idea of baptizing your imagination. You know, the early church fathers referred to baptism as illumination. Mm -hmm. And that's a key word for us too. We want to illuminate the imaginations of young children with a biblical vision, something that just, you know, helps them kind of like Plato said, you know, you want your young children to love beauty innately. Yep. And so Benjamin Cello is about us creating a space where children are safe from you know, humanistic messages. It's mm -hmm. a space where they are nurtured with beauty and with tactile authenticity and and one that isn't, you know, frenetic and that doesn't distract them yeah. from the wonder of the world that God has made. So yeah, that's wonderful. So it's it's as you said, a family affair. Uh, you have some, some yes. of brothers and sisters are involved. There's children. I'm assuming it's your children or nieces and nephews that are involved. Yeah. You know, it's really just an act of God. I mean, we couldn't have planned it if we tried, you know. So my brother Alex yep. plays Professor Wordsworth, who's runs the book endless book tower. And he's very, <laughs> you know, uh, eccentric as a character. Um, and then uh, he has his hungry bookworms, which are puppeted yes. by 
family and friends um, who are very talented. And um, and then Lolly Popular, who's the caretaker mm -hmm. of Penny Whistle Park. That's the second world in the land of the baptized imagination. She's played by Berkeley Williver, who is my brother Alex's wife. And Berkeley okay. is an amazing illustrator. If you're a parent out there and you haven't bought your Christmas gifts, you should go and check out Berkeley's watercolor and coloring book set because she's a tremendous illustrator. She okay. and Robin have partnered yeah. on a book based yeah. on every park, the poem. Um, so she plays Lolly Popular. And then the third world is a, the big old barn, which is mm -hmm. occupied by Cowboy Roy, who's played by our brother-in-law, James. He's an incredible guitarist and will do real world guitar solos in our episodes that are just oh, blow your mind oh. crazy. Like, like in season two, we've just debuted season two, by the way, yeah. but the finale of season two features a blistering guitar solo by James, who's Cowboy Roy. But in the big old barn, we have uh, four life-size puppets. Um, Don Quixote, who's fastidious and <laughs> kind of British, and uh, Gregory Peck the rooster, who's uh, you know impeccable and very uh, nosy. And then two sheep, Lambkin and Euphoria, that are very naive right. but sweet. So it's very whimsical. It's very yep. humorous. Um, and we just have a ball. Uh, it filming sounds it like a lot of fun. And and of course, there's the lessons that go along with there. Um, we're going to end the show with a song that is from the Annie Moses band. Um, yeah. It's a it's a Christmas song. I, I'm always reluctant to play Christmas songs during the Advent season, but but this is such a great arrangement of God rest ye merry gentlemen. Um, I know that you wanted to, us to play that song. Tell us a little bit about that arrangement. Yeah, so this arrangement um, goes way back to an album we released called This Glorious Christmas, and it's kind of our iconic Christmas arrangement um, as the Annie Moses Band. And, uh, you know, being string players and classically trained, mm -hmm. we love cinematic arrangements. And our father, Bill, who's behind a lot of the music of Benjamin Cello, arranged this for us. And um, it's just an unforgettable arrangement, and it's wonderful to play. So we wanted to share that with you. It is. It's a great, great uh, song to take us to the end of the show. Uh, Benjamin, so good to meet you. I'm so looking forward to having you guys back on the show and talk more about the work that you do. Um, and thank you for what you're doing for children. I know a lot of parents are going to be happy to find out about the program. Yes, um, yes. BenjaminCello.com. Absolutely. And you can get everything there. So there you go. Thank you. So Benjamin Wooliver uh, plays Benjamin Cello in the new children's Christian children's show, The Wonderful World of Benjamin Cello. You can find out more, as he said, at BenjaminCello.com. And you can find out about the Annie Moses Band at AnnieMosesBand.com. If you missed any part of this conversation or you want to listen to it again, just head on to our website, EzelMedia.org slash podcast. And here now to take us out um, and get us into the Advent Christmas spirit is the Annie Moses Band with God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen Let nothing you dismay Remember Christ our Savior Was born on Christmas Day Satan's power when we were gone astray.
listening to the Annie Moses Band with God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. And that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of the program, you can find our show at slmedia.org slash podcast. And you can get the Salt and Light Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we're back with Aid to the Church in Need and Book Ends with Jermaine. Plus, we'll catch up with Canadian singer-songwriter Dennis Grady and we'll learn more about the group of Indigenous leaders and youth that are traveling to meet the Pope. So you don't want to miss that. I pray that you stay safe, pray for each other, and continue taking care of each other. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.